And all people know that he is Christ, for Romans says in, in chapter 1 that they are without excuse. For we know by the creation that Jesus exists, and all things were made by him and through him, and nothing was made that was not made by Jesus Christ. And so we know that Jesus as the Messiah, he was the fulfillment of all prophecy. And it says that not one stone will be left on another stone in you because you did not recognize the visitation. Saying that those who reject Jesus Christ will be cast down and they will be destroyed. Thank you for listening to the Calhoun Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Mark Abney. In this special Palm Sunday episode of our podcast, Brother Mark shares an inspiring message from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 34. In his sermon titled, Palm Sunday, Brother Mark explores the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and its significance for us today. He reminds us of the joy and hope that Jesus' entry brought to the people of that time and helps us to understand the deeper meaning behind the events that took place. Join us in worshiping Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And now, Brother Mark. Preaching out of uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, so you can be turning there, verse 28 through 34. Luke, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 34. It's Palm Sunday, and we're going to look at what Palm Sunday is what's going on in the Word that causes us to celebrate Palm Sunday today. Luke 19, verses 28 through 34. Would you stand as we read out of the Word of God? And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. He drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet. And he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And and they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near the city, he wept over it, saying, What that you would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, 
but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your visitation. You came incarnate as a man and lived among us a perfect life and then went and died on the cross for the sins of all people. Whoever so would call you Lord would be forgiven of their sins and saved and have eternal life. And whoever stumbled over you, Lord, and rejected you would have eternal death. Lord, we thank you for your word that's clear, that's everything we need for daily living. Lord, I pray this morning that you would hide me behind the cross and give me the words to speak, that somebody might hear the truth today and come to know you as their Lord and Savior and make the greatest decision they could ever make. And Lord, we'll just praise you. We'll give you all the glory for everything that's accomplished. And your, your word never returns void. It always does work. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus just left the town of Jericho where he had spent the afternoon with a little fellow named Zacchaeus, if you remember that story. Zacchaeus had climbed a tree to see where where Jesus was passing by and Jesus noticed him in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to go to your house today. And he went to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus said, Lord, I repent and I, I turn away from my sin and everything that I've taken, I will pay it back. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to you and your house. As Jesus was nearing a town of Bethany, he sent two of his disciples ahead, telling them to look for this donkey and its unbroken colt. And the disciples were instructed to untie the animal and bring it to him. As Jesus sat on this young donkey and slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, fulfilling ancient prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The crowds welcomed Jesus in that day by waving palm branches in the, and shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus came into Jerusalem that day, he wept over the condition of the people, saying, Would that you, even you, had known this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want to stop there and pause just for a minute. Jesus came some 2,000 years ago 
and was the King of Kings, was the Messiah that was sent from God to save the people from their sins. And he came to seek and save the lost. And he has visited many, many people. He has visited all people. And all people know that he is Christ. For Romans says in, in chapter 1 that they are without excuse. For we know by the creation that Jesus exists and all things were made by him and through him and nothing was made that was not made by Jesus Christ. And so we know that Jesus as the Messiah, he was a fulfillment of all prophecy. And it says that not one stone will be left on another stone in you because you did not recognize the visitation. He's saying that those who reject Jesus Christ will be cast down and they will be destroyed. On that evening, Jesus and his disciples spent the night in Bethany in a town about two miles east of Jerusalem. This is where Lazarus lived and his two sisters, if you remember the story, Mary and Martha. And they were close friends of Jesus. And if you remember the story, Lazarus had died and Jesus didn't show up for some three days. And they was upset because he had died and Jesus raised him from the dead and he became alive again. And uh, that was a glorious day. And, and uh, so that's probably where they stayed during this time. They were close friends of Jesus and probably was the home where Jesus and his disciples stayed during the Passover. His triumphal entry is recorded in Matthew 21, 1 through 11, in Mark 11, 1 through 11, and Luke 19, 28 through 44, which we read, and in John 12, 12 through 19. And that was day one of the Passover, Palm Sunday. Day two, the following morning, Jesus returned with his disciples to Jerusalem, and along the way, he cursed a fig tree because it had failed to bear fruit. Jesus was teaching the disciples that genuine faith is more important than outward religion. True living faith will always bear spiritual fruit in a person's life. When Jesus arrived at the temple that day, he found the courts full of corrupt money changers. And it says that he turned over the tables and he cleared out the temple, saying, The scriptures declare, My temple will be a house of prayer, and you've turned it into a den of thieves in Luke 19.46. On Monday evening, Jesus returned to Bethany again to sleep. Monday's events are recorded in Matthew 21.12-22 and in Mark 11. 15 through 19 in Luke 19.45-48, which we read, and in John 2. 13 through 17. So it's day three. It's Tuesday morning. Jesus and his disciples returned to Jerusalem and they passed the withered fig tree on their way and Jesus spoke to his companions about the importance of faith. Let's look at what it says, what Jesus said about the fig tree. Luke 21, 29 through 36. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and you know that summer is coming. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. 
Truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day will come suddenly upon you like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you will have strength to escape all of the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So he's saying that we need to be ready as God's people to take a stand. We need to be ready as God's people knowing that hard times are coming, that trials and tribulations will surround us. We'll see even later where Jesus talks at the Olivet Discourse about all the things that will transpire during the last days. But he says, look at the fig tree and notice the signs that when you see the leaves coming out, you know summer's on the way. I think we're seeing that now. The trees at my house have bloomed out. They're in, in full bloom. We see the, the cherry trees and and uh, many of the early bloomers already bloomed out. Spring is here, and we know that summer's on the way. Warmer weather's coming, amen? amen? And as we look at the signs, we know it to be true because we've seen it over and over and over again. And Jesus said, I've told you in the Word over and over again the things that will pass, the things that will come to play during the last days. And I want you to take note of them and know that they're coming. Look at them and see the times are changing. The day is approaching. And as it comes, know that hard times will come for believers. That will be delivered up, that will be persecuted, that will be put to death, even by our own family. And that we should stand strong. And God says not one hair on our head will be harmed. Back at the temple, the religious leaders were upset at Jesus for establishing himself as a spiritual authority. They organized an ambush with the intent to place him under arrest, but Jesus evaded their traps and pronounced harsh judgment on them, saying, Matthew 23, 24 through 33, You blind guides, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Snakes, you son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Later that afternoon, Jesus left the city with his disciples to the Mount of Olives which sets due east of the temple and overlooks Jerusalem. Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse here, an elaborate prophecy about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age. He speaks as usual in parables using symbolic language about the end time events, including his second coming and the final judgment. Here are his words out of Luke 21, 6 through 28. As far as these things you see, the day will come when there will not be one, will, where there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. See that you're not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. 
do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not come at once. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to be a witness. This will be your opportunity to be a witness. Settle it therefore in your minds and don't meditate beforehand on how you will answer for I will give you, give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake but not one hair of your head will perish. For your endurance, by your endurance, you will gain your life. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let not those who are inside the city depart, and let, not, and let those who are out of the country enter in. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edges of the sword and be led captive among the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars and on the earth distress of the nations in perplexity because of the roaring sea and waves, people fainting with fear, foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. And when they see these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because redemption is drawing nigh. You see, Scripture indicates that this was also... Oh, Scripture indicates at this point where Jesus was after he gave this Olivet Discourse that Judas Iscariot negotiated with the Sanhedrin and came into the garden and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. After a tiring day of confrontation and warnings about the future, once again Jesus and the disciples returned to Bethany to stay the night. The tumult the tumultuous events of Tuesday and the Olivet Discourse are recorded in Matthew 21, 23, and 24, 23 through 24 and 51, Mark 11, 20 through uh, 13 and 37, and Luke 21 through 21 and verse 36, and John 12, 20 through 38. Wednesday, day four. The Bible don't say what the Lord did on Wednesday of Passion Week. Scholars speculate that after two days of exhausting work in Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples may have spent the day resting in Bethany. Day 5, Thursday. From Bethany, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to the upper room in Jerusalem to make the preparation for the Passover feast. That evening after sunset, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples as they prepared to share in the Passover. Passover. 
By performing this humble act of service, Jesus demonstrated by example how believers should treat one another and love each other. Today, many churches practice foot washing as a part of their Monday Thursday services. Then Jesus shared the feast of the Passover with his disciples. In Luke 22:15 through 16, he says, I have been very eager to eat the Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. As the Lamb of God, Jesus was about to fulfill the meaning of the Passover by giving his body to be broken and his blood to be shed in sacrifice, freeing us from sin and death. Jesus established the Lord's Supper, or communion, instructing his followers to continue to remember by partaking of the Lord's Supper and sharing in the elements of the bread and wine until he returns. I ask the deacons to come at this time as we prepare the Lord's table. While they was in that upper room, Jesus told Peter of his denial. In Luke 22:31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny him three times that you know me. Jesus and the disciples left the upper room and they went to the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed in agony to God, the Father. Luke's gospel says that he sweat like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus asked the disciples to watch and pray as he went further to pray to God the Father. Jesus prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Late that evening in Gethsemane, Jesus was betrayed with the kiss from Judas and arrested by the Sanhedrin. And he was taken to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the whole council gathered together began to make their case against Jesus. Meanwhile, in the early morning hours, as Jesus' trial was getting underway, people didn't, Peter denied knowing his master three times, and the rooster crowed. Today's events were recorded in Matthew 26, 17 through 75, in Mark 14, 12 through 72, in Luke 22, 7 through 62, and in John 13, 1 through 38. We'll pick up with Friday on Easter morning. In conclusion, Palm Sunday is good news because Jesus announced that he's coming to dethrone all the principalities of this world and the spiritual enemy Satan through his death, burial, and resurrection. We can embrace Jesus as the King of Kings or we can align ourselves with the powers of this world. We can accept Jesus' death as the new way to eternal life, a new life in Him, 
or we can keep our terminal lives as we now know and live in this world. We can pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ as Savior, or we can join the religious establishment and reject him as the chief cornerstone. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you and be Lord of your life, today is the best day to do that. You're never, you're never guaranteed tomorrow. Through God's grace and mercy, Jesus died in our place so that we might be forgiven and have eternal life in him. That's God's love. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy. And God has commanded us as followers of Jesus Christ to show grace and mercy to others. Believers, how are you doing in the ministry of grace and mercy? What's moving you to give grace and mercy to others these days? Is there a movement towards denying yourself and lifting others up? What grace and mercy are you giving to others in need? Oh, that we would see the beauty of Christ, the Palm Sunday tears of the sovereign joy. And oh, that we would admire and worship him. We would be changed by what we see and become ministers of his grace and mercy. God, give us compassion, the compassion that Jesus had as he entered the city that day and wept over the condition of the people. May we weep over the condition of our community. God's grace and mercy are to all those who call upon his name. It is freely given because Jesus paid the high price by his death on the cross. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, this morning, someone may have heard your spirit for the very first time, talk to them in their heart, and say, today is the day that you need to let Jesus come in and be Lord of your life. If you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life and you would like to do that, you pray this prayer with me. You say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me and for my sins. And I have sinned in my heart. I have sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. You're seated at the right hand of the Father right now, hearing my prayer and making intercession for me. And now that I've asked you to be Lord of my life, I believe the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that simple prayer and you meant it from your heart, today salvation has come to you. And the Holy Spirit has come in and is living in you and you have eternal life, a life that never goes away, a life that you will spend eternity with God and Jesus in heaven forever. As believers, Maybe we've not had the compassion that Jesus had for the people in their lost condition. May we never lose sight of the importance of helping people find Jesus. That's why Jesus has left us here. He commissioned us to go and to teach. 
to go and to share the gospel. And as people come to salvation, he's commissioned us to disciple them. May we never lose sight of that work that he's called us to. And may we work until Jesus comes and takes us home. Today, if you've prayed that simple prayer, the prayer of salvation, and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you, Jesus calls you to come before these people and proclaim him publicly. And Jesus said, whoever proclaims me before people, I will proclaim him before the Father which is in heaven. And whoever denies me before people, I will deny before my Father which is in heaven. So he calls you to come to the altar this morning and make a public profession of faith and say, I just asked Jesus to be Lord of my life and he's come in and he saved me. And that's your testimony. And that's what God calls you to do as your very first step. As your second step, he'll call you into a believer's baptism to follow him in baptism and make that public profession of how Jesus saved you from the inside. Believers, God has called us to be fruitful, to be good workers in the vineyard, to go and share the gospel with the lost community. For those people that come into our path to offer grace and mercy, which Jesus freely gave us, and give to them freely, that they too may find that Jesus has been looking for them, and he stands at their heart's door and knocks continually, wanting to come in and to live in their, in their heart. He wants to fellowship with them. So let us be about the business that God has called us to do and continue to work until Jesus comes. Continue to disciple those who come to faith, that they may grow in their faith and that they may be, become strong workers in the church. If you're hearing this message and you believe that God has called you to become a member of this church, you do so by coming forward and saying that I would like to be a member. And the church votes and votes you into the membership of the church and you become a member of this church and you become committed and responsible to do the work that God has called you to do here in this community. And if you feel the Spirit is leading you in that way, I pray that you would come and become a member and join with what we're doing here in Calhoun to reach the lost for Jesus and to disciple those who come to faith. Whatever the Lord's calling you to this morning, I pray that you would not hesitate, that you would come this morning and make whatever it is public, that everybody would know what God is doing in your heart, that we might see him at work and join him where he's working. Father, I pray you have your will and your way during this invitation time, and we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing page 482. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you are touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life, but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to 
prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way, encouraging you to be active in the local church, and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know. 